Welcome to the Futurist Public Intellectual. The past few years have been rather tumultuous for airlines. The COVID pandemic upended the entire industry, and it's been a long, hard road back to stability. However, logistical meltdowns like Southwest's monumental failure in December 2022 and increasing fees in all areas of the flying experience have led some critics to call for re-regulation. This mentality does not acknowledge the tremendous economic good that has come out of deregulation and misconstrues the current problems facing our transportation industry as a whole. After the Airline Deregulation Act was passed in 1978, the average cost of a plane ticket dropped precipitously over the next 40 years. The average cost of domestic round-trip tickets dropped from $629 to $340 in inflation-adjusted dollars during that time period. For example, a round-trip ticket from New York to L.A. would have been around $1,600 in the 1970s. It's now $350 in 2023. That's a 78% decrease. Yes, it's been a wild ride with a lot of bankrupt airlines along the way, but we've finally reached a point of stability with the big four airlines, Delta, American, United, and Southwest. The recent problems with ancillary fees and logistical failures are matters that can be addressed with some additional regulation, but some people are looking to the pre-1978 regulatory environment with rose-colored glasses. The critics who are calling for re-regulation don't really have much evidence for that position. The big four carriers had 67.3% of the domestic market share, and all four of them were among the top 10 most profitable airlines in the world in 2022. The same can't be said for Italy's largest airline in 2021, Alitalia, which ceased operations after many years of unprofitability. With none of the big four carriers having more than 18% market share, there's plenty of competition to spur innovation. Two of the critics' most salient points are that the quality of customer service has suffered since the 1970s and that unprofitable routes to small cities have been unceremoniously dropped. The first problem is not really a problem at all. If you're paying 78% less for a flight, then you should expect McDonald's level of quality. You can still get better quality service if you're willing to pay for a first-class ticket. In the 1970s, everyone was effectively getting first-class service. Now, people have the choice to pick service or economy as their priority. While the second problem is legitimate, the dropped routes should be less interpreted as a problem with airline deregulation and more as an indication that high-speed rail should be implemented. Train service could efficiently service low-population areas and could integrate with the airline's hub-and-spoke model. 
Airports like Tokyo's Narita are so far away that a train needs to be taken to get there in the first place, even for Tokyoites. Since most small cities in the U.S. exist around a midsize or large city anyway, a high-speed rail network that connects a small city to a nearby airport in a larger city would be far more efficient, both economically and environmentally, than to expect airlines to service areas with very few regular customers. For example, Asheville, North Carolina doesn't necessarily need to have service from the big four carriers. Asheville just needs a high-speed train connection to the Charlotte airport. As for additional regulation, there are two areas that Congress should consider regulating in order to make life for the average traveler less onerous. Strict compensation rules for delayed or canceled flights and a minimum seat pitch and width. For the former, the EU's air passengers' rights regulation is a good model for the future. For example, if a flight is delayed for two hours or more in the EU, depending on the type of flight it is, the passenger is entitled to 250 euros, or $270, to 600 euros, or $645, in compensation. This type of enforced compensation would encourage airlines to be significantly better at both time management and cautious about flirting with weather-related risks. For the latter area of potential improvement, setting a minimum seat pitch and width would be similar to housing law's warranty of habitability. Considering how tall and large Americans can be, I think we need to consider more realistic dimensions for airplane seats. Furthermore, since most domestic airlines do not have an in-flight entertainment system, it's predictable that most travelers are going to be bringing phones, tablets, and laptops on board. Since people's carry-on bags are going to be chock-full of these devices, along with some sustenance, you definitely need more space under the seat. If Congress addresses these two major areas of complaints, along with investing in a real high-speed rail network for the sake of smaller cities and towns, it'll go a long way towards reducing the need for any large-scale regulation of airlines. Americans really just want some quality-of-life improvements because they're definitely enjoying the low prices. Let's hope Christmas goes better this year for the airlines in the meantime. Thank you for listening to The Futurist Public Intellectual.